The views and opinions expressed by various contributors to 98.5 CKWR and its radio programs are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of 98.5 CKWR Wired World, Inc., its broadcasters, staff, or volunteers. Listeners are urged to use their own discernment and draw their own conclusions. Good morning. My name is Rob Daniels and welcome to Visions in Sound. Now, for those that may be joining me for the very first time, Visions in Sound is a movie, TV, and video game soundtrack program that I produce each and every week here on 98.5 CKWR. Well, here we are, show number 17 of 2021 and show 1070 if you're keeping track that way. As we conclude, yes, conclude a 80s month, we celebrate the 40th anniversary of the adventure classic Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, joining me this week uh, is uh, two guys who have just been chomp, uh, champing at the bit here to talk about this. And uh, we've got Eric Woods and Jason Jury. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> it's, always a, uh, it's always a pleasure to have you guys on, and especially about this. Uh, especially yeah. these particular uh, 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 anniversaries and that sort of thing, the stuff that we can really just absolutely geek out about and uh, just have a blast with. And so I'm really looking. I'm really looking can't. forward to this this morning. I have been really. I can't wait. So, um, well, guys, why don't we just uh, uh, start at the beginning? I rem- didn't. I did not actually see uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark in the theater the very first time it came out. In 1981, I ended up seeing it a couple of years later. They actually showed it in the library during noon hour at our high school, or at, at sorry, at my grade school, uh, seven and eight. And uh, that's where I first saw it. So, uh, guys, uh, why don't we start with uh, Jason? Where did you first see Raiders of the Lost Ark? I saw it on home video. 
Yeah. And uh, I, I remember it very well. So I enjoyed the film. I I remember my dad saying, oh, I don't think much of that, but that was nothing new. <laughs> he always <laughs> said that. He always said it, he said it the Star Wars. So, <laughs> yeah, but that's the first time I saw I think it was uh, a year, you know, six months after it came out on in the cinema. But it was, a, you know, it's it stood, it stood by, you know, stood inside of me. It was such a, I, I enjoyed it. The more I saw it, the more I enjoyed it. The more I enjoyed John Williams' score. It just, and even now, if I think I've seen it now so many times I've lost count, but even now when it comes, comes on the television, I can still, you know, I still, you know, sit back. If it's got a few minutes, I can, I can catch it. I'll probably watch it to the end. It is, that is one of those films you just cannot stop watching when as soon as you start watching, you catch it on TV, it's just, just there. And every time I listen, every time I see it, every time I hear the music, it just gets better and better. And considering these days with, uh, quality of the films we get these days it just stands out as one of the great true adventure classic films that's amazing eric yeah i saw it on home video first as well so i think we all captured it on the small screen before we uh saw it on the big screen uh my mom showed it to me uh when i was homesick from school it was a monday it was a monday afternoon and she just came to me say hey i've got something i think you might like so come on downstairs to the basement and you can watch it with me. So we sat on the couch and there we watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it blew my mind. I I was just transported <laughs> into this amazing world. And uh, it, it ended up being my favorite movie of all time. It's my favorite film score of all time. And, and uh, funny enough, I didn't see it on the big screen until a couple of years ago when I got to witness the Toronto Symphony Orchestra You're play so it lucky. live. And I, I have to thank a friend of mine because when I, I, I forgot about the tickets going on sale and I missed it. And I put it out online. I'm like, I was just so upset. I was like, I cannot believe I just missed the tickets to go see Raiders of the Lost Ark live with the Toronto Symphony. Well, there were a couple of seats still left open. They were the kind of the cheap ones that are off to the side because right. the way they have the screen on at the TSO, this, the screen's in front of the orchestra instead of behind it. Okay. So they're kind of like the obstructed view seats. But anyway, so the first time I ever see Raiders of the Lost Ark on the big screen was with the TSO and, and listening to the score performed live uh, to picture. And I brought my son with me. We had an incredible time, and it made me appreciate the music even more because I was hearing certain details and just watching the conductor and, and being able to see the screen of the, the streamers and the punches, um, you know, hitting specific sync marks. Hmm. And it's just the artistry, the craft, the, the, the technical expertise that is need to score a film of this sort. And and that's a, on top of all the wonderful themes and, and everything like that. So it was a, a magical experience, and I think it was just the best way I could experience the film on the big screen for the first time. So, yeah, like Jason said, it's a film I could catch at any time, anywhere. My dad once mentioned it to me. He said, hey, you know, you, you'd watch this movie if it was, you know, playing in German. Like, right? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I would sit down <laughs> and watch this whole thing. 
in German or any language. It's that good. It, uh, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic movie with a just a utterly brilliant film score by John Williams. Yeah, I I I have to agree. Um, when I was uh, God, just a wee lad um, of of. <laughs> Of 13, 14 years old, and uh, just enjoying, you know, I mean, you hear that theme, and that, it's it's the sound, it's the call to adventure, you know, da, 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 and you're, you're mm. jumping around, and you're, you're humming it to yourself, and, and that kind of thing, that was the kind of, mm. uh, of, uh, of, uh, of theme it was, I mean, it was like, yeah. it was like the Batman theme, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it was, it was, it was that iconic. Yeah. And like the pure genius of how he introduced it in the film, gradually, gradually built it up when it's an opening sequence to it start. It came out at the opening se- you know, at the start, a bit like a James Bond film in a way. Oh, exactly. How he, how 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 he, how he did that was amazing. Well, was interesting, it? interesting that you mentioned that. Uh, just a little bit of background on if if you're not aware of, <laughs> if it's taken you forty years to finally see this film. Uh, and you're listening tonight with with, uh, with not knowing going in what this film is about. George Lucas conceived Raiders of the Lost Ark as far back as 1973, shortly after finishing the, the film American Graffiti, an old movie poster of a heroic character leaping from a horse to a truck reminded Lucas of the early 20th century serial films he enjoyed as a youth, such as Buck Rogers, Zorro, Fighting Legion, Spy Smasher, and Don Winslow of the Navy. He wanted to make a B movie modeled on those serials, conceived and conceived the adventures of Indiana Smith, featuring an adventurous archaeologist named after his Alaskan Malamute dog. Around the same time, Lucas was trying to adapt, of course, the space opera serial Flash Gordon, but could not obtain the rights. Shelved Indiana Smith project to focus on creating his own space opera, of course. Battlestar Galactica. No, no, no. Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars, of course. Of Star course. Crash. In all of that, yes, yeah, Star Crash. In 1975, uh, Lucas discussed his Raiders idea with his friend Philip Kaufman, and they worked on a script for two weeks. Lucas imagined his character as a college professor and archaeologist adventurer. Based on his own appreciation for archaeology and famous archaeologists, Kaufman removed Lucas's vision of Smith as a nightclub patron and womanizer and suggested the Ark of the Covenant as the film's central goal. He learned of the Ark from his childhood dentist, of all people. The Ark provided a source of conflict for the hero and the Nazis playing off the Nazi leader Adolf Hitler's historical fascination with the occult. Lucas wanted Kaufman to direct, but uh, because he was already committed to working on the Western The Outlaw Josie Wales, Lucas paused the idea again and resumed working on Star Wars. In May of 1977, Lucas vacationed in Hawaii to avoid the potential failure of his the theatrical debut of Star Wars. He invited Steven Spielberg to join him and his wife. Lucas and Spielberg discussed their next projects, and Spielberg wanted to direct a James Bond film. That would have been an, an interesting uh, take if Spielberg mm-hmm. had been allowed to direct a James Bond film. Uh, but Lucas pitched the, him the idea of Indiana Smith. Uh, Lucas still hoped Kaufman would direct, but a few months later it was clear he would not participate and Lucas asked Spielberg to replace him. 
Now, John Williams, of course, is the composer for Raiders of the Lost Ark, and he said the music did not have to be serious for the film and was instead uh, instead theatrical and excessive. Williams spent a few weeks working on the Ra- on the Indiana Jones theme, more commonly known as the Raiders March that plays during the main character's heroic scenes. Two separate pieces were played for Spielberg who wanted to use both, and these pieces became the main theme and the musical bridge for the Raiders March. For the romantic theme, Williams took inspiration from the older films like the the drama Now Voyager to create something more emotionally monumental that he felt would contrast well with the film's humor and lighter moments. Williams used several uh, dark orchestral pieces to represent the actions of the Nazis using seventh degree on a bottom scale, as he puts it, and this signified rather a militaristic evil. To create something subtly biblical for the, the Ark of the Covenant, he used a mix of chorus and orchestra. Now, of course, before we started this whole thing, we were talking about the various releases and the, uh, the DCC classic, uh, our DCC compact classics version came up released in 1995. And, uh, I can't honestly remember where I got my copy, but, um, you were, you were, you were mentioning that, uh, this is probably the best of the releases, uh, Eric of the yes. for DCC and yes. uh, just from a, from a, uh, is it, is it, is it a complete score that we're looking nope. at the DCC? No, no, nope. no. There's a few pieces um, missing. There's some inserts. There's the, uh, the piece where Indy is um, in the well of the souls and he climbs up the, uh, the statue and crashes through the wall. Right. That music's missing. And there's a few other smaller pieces um, that are, that are missing, but honestly, you don't miss them when you listen to this album um, because it's just so well produced. There, th- th- you could just tell. Looking at this album, and I think it's one of the best soundtrack releases of all time. The love and care that was put into the packaging, the liner notes. Uh, Lucas Kendall uh, interviewed John Williams ex- exclusively for this release. Uh, Nick Redman was the producer. Steve Hoffman was the uh, the, the uh, engineer who took Eric Tomlinson's recording and made it sound so incredible for this release. It's it's punchy, it's vibrant, and the best part about this release is that none of the cues are edited. This is how the cues were recorded. Whereas on the original LP and then the subsequent Concord release of uh, Indiana Jones or in, in Raiders Lost Ark, uh, John Williams had decided to use some of the album cuts for the Concord release, which includes a truncated desert chase, right. which is just blasphemous because <laughs> there's no reason for that piece to be cut up. There's no reason for any of these pieces to be cut up because it's just, it is a perfect flow, much like a lot of John Williams' scores at that time between 77 and 84. Mm-hmm. The flow is there. The story is being told through the music and those albums, you can listen from start to finish and you, you, there's no filler. And so this DCC release is, I would say that if you do not have it in your collection, it is an essential album to have in your collection. It is so fantastic. And like I said, there's a 24-page booklet in here 
it's just so beautifully done. It, yeah. It's it's really a work of art in itself. Right. Um, is it still available? I have been looking around. I don't think it's commercially available. I'm I sure think... you can get it like Discogs or eBay and find it somewhere cheap. Um, but I, I, yeah, it's, I mean, the best thing about it is, that, yeah, this was the first expanded release of it. And also they, they created a, an LP, which even has, I think, six more minutes of music, which includes the, the, the six minutes that aren't available on the CD, which is the latter half of the well, of the souls, uh, music where, right. um, uh, Marion is finally saved, but then she's captured. And, and so it's that sequence there where they find out that Indy's been digging for the Ark. So there's a six minute sequence on the LP that isn't on this CD. Hmm. That's odd. But, but the musically, musically itself, it's one of those albums, one of those scores that you can, you don't need to visualize, you can just listen to music, you know exactly Absolutely. what's going on, which is one of the great essentials of a great film score, and this ticks all the boxes. I agree. Well, um, we've talked plenty about the this, this score, we've got plenty more to talk about, but let's get into this, uh, this fantastic John Williams score from the 1981 film Raiders of the Lost Ark as we celebrate 40 years Man, that makes me feel old when I think about it. <laughs> 40 years. It, it, it's not the years. It's not the years. It's, it's the, the mileage. mileage. <laughs> All right. And with that in mind, here is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, remind me. We're not in there, right? Okay. Remind me. I will send
little bit of music from the 1981 film Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's music, of course, by the legendary John Williams. Well, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at Visions Sound. You can also find me on my website, visionsinsound.ca, where this show will show up in a little bit, as you will also find a wonderful a, uh, a store there as well if you want to be stylish this summer or this even this spring with uh, Visions and Sound wear or some of, maybe some of the other stuff that uh, is available as well. Um, there are other places you can go. Also try... Um, Apple Podcasts or Apple Music or uh, iTunes. Just type in Visions and Sound and you can find my podcast there, often under, of oddly enough, podcasts. So welcome back to Visions and Sound as this week we are celebrating the 40th anniversary of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And just those opening um, those opening uh, cues, the reveal of Jones uh, at the, at the beginning is probably one of the best reveals, uh, that I recall. And I watched the movie a, a scarce few days ago and, uh, just the, the cinematography of that, of that opening and how he steps from the shadow into the, into the light is just a, an amazing opening. And of course there's the, uh, um, uh, the, the whole scene with the, uh, um, with him and, uh, is it Alfred Molina? I believe was yes, the yes. the actor yep. that that uh, and that whole opening with him uh, getting the idol and just an uh, just an uh, um, amazing opening to the film and just just set the set the scene beautifully. But we had discussed and and uh, we were we were starting to discuss about uh, Philip Kaufman and uh, how different that film would have been in the seventies. What would a, what would a seventies Indiana Jones been like? Uh, would uh, would it have been as fun as as uh, we were kind of we were kind of thinking about, or would it be kind of gritty and uh, and uh, just as as um, was originally mentioned that um, they had ditched the idea of uh, having um, or having uh, Jones be a kind of a womanizer and a uh, and that kind of thing. So. What do you think? This, what, what, how would a 70s Indiana Jones have looked? It, it probably would have just been forgotten about as, and wouldn't have been as big as it is now. I think the important thing about this film, as far as its uh, value, is it had George Lucas's name on it called the Star Wars and Steven Spielberg. And also, that was the reason why it's really come up and, and it's so important in popular culture. It also... But that, that film itself really it helped Spielberg's it kind of like kickstarted Spielberg's career after the disaster, well, the, the virtual disaster of financially of 1941 because he wasn't as he starred had kind of wind a bit after that film, and with uh, coming on to the project with uh, with Lucas, it kind of it the success kind of got built Steven Spielberg's name again and uh, and, and the rest of the rest of his history for Spielberg's career is concerned, but. I think the importance of the of the film itself mainly is uh, due to the fact that those two two involvement Lucas and because of Star Wars. If if it Star Wars hadn't turned up, no, nobody would have probably would have looked at uh, Raiders as much as, as it did. It was because I think you've got to thank a lot of lot of the success of the Raiders was from 
you know, the what happened with this, the Star Wars trilogy as well, because it, it's because with George Lucas's name on it, and and that, that's probably one of the reasons why it's so so big to this day, and and and, and it's great, it's, that's, that's, that's good for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up George Lucas because uh, you know a lot of people think that this is this is Spielberg's baby, and it was you know Spielberg that, and yes, he directed it and did a great job directing it, but the thing about this is George Lucas's idea. It's his brainchild. He came. Mm. It's just like Star Wars. The thing about Spielberg, and you mentioned it, he was coming off his very first flop, but he was also coming off uh, films where he had gone over budget and over time, especially on Jaws and Close Encounters. As much as they are a huge success, mm-hmm. he did the exact same thing with 1941, and that bombed big time. And he was, I mean, I think everybody at that time was just waiting for Spielberg to fail. And if it wasn't for George Lucas, and if it wasn't for Raiders of the Lost Ark, Spielberg would not have the career that he has right now. Mm, yeah. Uh, George Lucas grounded him. Instead of shooting 30, 40 takes for everything, Lucas was like, we're shooting this thing like a television show or like a TV movie. We're three, four, five takes in, and that's it. If we didn't get the perfect shot, so what? And Steven Spielberg even said that if we went for 30 or 40 shots, this would have been a pretentious film. Mm-hmm. Instead, you can tell it's quick, it's dirty. It, as much as it was a fast-paced shoot, it's a fast-paced movie. This thing just mm-hmm. starts, takes you for a ride for two hours, and it is incredible. And uh, mm-hmm. all of that goes back yeah. to George Lucas and him reigning in Spielberg and Spielberg's yeah. career, like you said, yeah. was kick-started again and really the beginning of his career and for who he was going to be, I think, began in 1981 and not so much back where Sugarland and Jaws and Close Encounters because those were great hits, but he needed that failure to figure out who he was and then he needed his friend to be there to support him and get him back into that groove again. And for the script itself, George Lucas, it proves again that George Lucas is a good storyteller, but not a great script writer, because he, he, he did a master stroke of how Lawrence Kasdan write the scripts. And Lawrence yeah. Kasdan, any good, anything with Lawrence Kasdan's name involved with George Lucas, you get the, it's, you know, it's, the films are better for it. It's another case of, like, as I say, George Lucas can tell a good story, can't write a script for the if somebody could write a script, you got gold. Yeah, I, I agree. And 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 again, going back to 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 Robert's question, is just the uh, the the early seventies, mid seventies, Indiana Jones would, like you said, probably be forgotten. It would be this B movie. It, I think it would be overly serious, and or it would be compared to James Bond. Yeah, because you had. You were, you're creating a character that was very, very similar to James Bond. And it might have been entertaining, uh, but I don't think the audience at that time was looking for something like this. I think after 1977 and Star Wars and and revitalizing kind of that serialized, um, you know, Saturday afternoon matinee mm-hmm. type film audiences could accept that again after 1977 and then so once you get five years later into 81 having a film like this 
a campy B movie type styled film, but with a huge budget, big stars, big special effects, you could get away with it. I just don't know if it would work. I mean, Philip Kaufman did some, I mean, really deadly serious movies. And I mean, if you watch what he did with Invasions of the Body Snatchers or Invasion of the Body Snatchers, even, I mean, that's. It, it seems like a campy film. It's a campy title. Right. But he grounded that into reality and it turns into to be like one of the greatest remakes or it could be a sequel. It depends on how you, how you, <laughs> you know, you, you watch it and, and, and what you think of it. But I mean, it, it's grounded in reality and, and I'm not sure whether he would have been the one to take Indiana Jones and make it into what Spielberg and Lucas eventually made it in the 1980s. So it would definitely be a very, very different film well, man, we've got a very, very different score. And uh, it would just be, yeah, I, we wouldn't be celebrating, <laughs> I don't think, Raiders of the Lost Ark the way we are right now. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it then raises the question for me. Um, there was this close association with, of course, uh, Lucas and Spielberg. So why wasn't Spielberg brought in to, to direct Return of the Jedi? That was a... Uh, I think that was a director's guild thing. Okay. And since George Lucas. Oh, that's right. He left, left the director's he left guild, the guild. That's right. After, uh, before yep. it was, I think this was before empire because of the, the credits or something along those yeah. lines. But then there was something along the lines that they couldn't have Spielberg direct it or have somebody in the director's guild direct that film. So that's why he had to get Richard Marquand. So Spielberg was going to direct Return of the Jedi. He okay. was. He wanted to do it, but I think it was a you know, it was a technicality and or they just couldn't get him. They wouldn't allow him to well, to direct. He he would have um, been he would have been coming off of ET, wouldn't he not have? Yeah, um, I mean he would have been burnt out, right? ET, right. uh uh Poltergeist. Uh, you know, he's working on those two in, in 81, 82. I mean, just came off Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. And you have Jedi, you have Twilight Zone, the movie. I, <laughs> you got the sequel to the Temple of Doom. He would have been burnt out, especially on Jedi. I mean, yeah. it would have been, it would have been neat, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how much more different it would have been though. Um, but anyway. Exactly. Well, uh, the the whole idea, and and one of the things about uh, about um, Raiders of the Lost Ark for me that that struck uh, that that jumped out at me at this time was how visually stunning it is. Mm. Oh, Just yeah. from a from a there's there is one shot um, that I went I sat there and I went, holy crap! What an amazing shot! It's when Indy runs up to the camera. And he, he, he just, it's, it's from the kind of this medium wide and he runs right up to the camera and there's this close up, and then the camera pulls back to show the, the square with all of the baskets and that sort of thing. And I sat there and I went, holy crap, they don't do stuff like that anymore. No, like it's, right. it was so much, it was, su- there was such craft in that. Mm. I thought that but was Indian- amazing. Well, the first three Indiana Jones films were graced with one of the great cinematographers of all time, Douglas Slocum. And yep. you can see he's working all three of the films. And the you can see when you get to the fourth one, it's not, not a patch on what Slocum did. He is an yep. amazing cinematographer, sort of even away from Indiana Jones. And his craft is there to be seen 
on all three of those films. Mm-hmm. And him and Steve Spielberg were a great collaboration. Yeah, Spielberg moved the camera beautifully um, back then. Um, very, very artistic and very purposeful. Um, I would like to, anybody listening to this, I want you to check out, there's a video online where they talk about the 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 shot of Indiana Jones and Marcus in his um, at his house and Indy's packing right. to go and Marcus is talking about Marion and, and, and the Ark and whatnot. And what you don't realize is that's a master shot. It's one shot. There's no cut except for the cut to Indy um, throwing the uh, gun into his bag. Yeah. And then it cuts back to the master shot. That's the only cut. And then they, they in the video, they, um, they do a, 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 an animation that show you exactly where the camera's moving, how the camera's moving, and where everybody is in relation to the scene. And you don't notice it. I mean, I swear, I, I watched that movie so many times and I'm like, man, you're right. There isn't a cut. And even those scenes, very simple dialogue scenes, are just masterfully put together, masterfully staged. Yeah. Everything, the, the, Spielberg allows his actors to work within the frame. And, and, yeah. and there's a lot of that in this movie. And like you said, Robert, with the eyes, there's even a video online that's called the Spielberg eyes. This is a trait of Steven Spielberg yes. close-ups on the eyes, but you're right. As he comes in, you don't expect what you're about to see when right. the camera pulls back. But again, there's no cut. Right. And, but, but then again, Michael Kahn is cutting this thing and he's a genius. And just, just, I want everybody to look at the talent pool that is in this movie and just realize that this was this was lightning in a bottle. This is a once in a lifetime movie, just with the talent that is involved in it. It it is it is just perfect timing. Perfect timing. And they created a spectacular motion picture. Mm-hmm. Now it, it's it's it, it's from for me, it's a perfect storm of director, writer cinematographer, music, and it just all comes together in this, this beautiful package. And the funny thing is, is that people weren't like, this was not expected to do very well. And I don't understand that because watching it now, um, I'm, I'm thinking this, this should have, and we've discussed this before about the, the, the winning of the Oscar, that mm-hmm. year for score. And that ended up going to, uh, Vangelis's, um, um, uh, chariots of fire. Correct. Correct. Yep. And yes. so, so you're watching it now from 40 years of hindsight and you're wondering how, how that could have happened because the, the, the I mean, there are very few people who like, I remember slow motion running, in uh, from chariots of fire and that's pretty much all i remember but i remember scenes and dialogue and all this stuff from from raiders of the lost ark and to me it is i I don't understand the the um the rationale behind the academy and what they're what what they're thinking when when they they do this kind of they, they they make those kind of decisions yeah, it's kind of the, 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 the flavor of the month type thing. You know, yeah. Chariots of Fire, that main theme was a massive hit. That was on the radio. 
everybody knew it. Mm-hmm. And again, it's much like it hasn't changed much from from then till today. You know, whatever whatever the Academy somewhat remembers, they're going to vote for it. And these this is a secondary category. This is a category that they don't necessarily care about. The, the, they don't they care about the directors, the actors, somewhat the the writers. But they rarely pay attention to the music, and there's six thousand of them, and they're just kind of ticking a box that they, ah, yeah, you know what? I think I've heard that theme before. Yeah, I like Chariots of Fire, and mm. I mean, it, the score is the score is fine. Mm-hmm. The movie is 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 actually really good. the The way that the the juxtaposition of the music to that film, um, you know, a film that takes place in the early 1900s and you got this all electronic score, mm-hmm. the, the contrast is it's, it's really, it's really, um, it's a, a daring score and it's good. I think Vangelis would, would top that in 82 with Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just something about what Williams did with Raiders of the Lost Ark that is just above and beyond. Um, anything maybe written that year, although I'm sure the Goldsmith fans would, would disagree with me because I mean, <laughs> I mean like, if you can get Omen three nominated, then I'm sure that they would say that, I mean, that's a spectacular score in itself oh, for yeah. a really, really bad movie. But I, I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark has just stood the test of time. It has. And, um, but you know, it, it's also, you talk about awards. I mean, I don't know if people remember this, but it was an Academy Award nominated film. Mm-hmm. It was a Best Picture nominee. It was a Best Director nominee. Um, what it was surprising is that Harrison Ford didn't get an Academy Award nomination, which is just crazy. Is like, how does Raiders Lost Ark exist without Harrison Ford's performance? Exactly. And that's that's <laughs> shocking yeah. to me. Yeah, he had to wait three years later for Witness to get his first Academy Award nomination. And only Academy Award nomination. Same thing with Fugitive. The Fugitive. Remember that was mm-hmm. uh, yes. Best Picture yeah. Director Tommy Lee yeah. Jones won the Academy Award, and Harrison Ford got nothing. That guy's been stiffed so many times from the Academy. I'm surprised he goes to these awards any anymore and and decides to um, you know announce an award. One Academy Award for Harrison Ford just tells you exactly what the Academy really is is all about, and uh, and it it's. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't believe it anymore. I don't care in it anymore. <laughs> I and, was just. I uh, was just going to say, um, yeah. isn't it supposed to be this weekend? It is this weekend, and I can't wait. I'm doing a show, which is going to be. It's my Oscar special, but uh, it's going to be called Oscars. Oscar special. So what? And instead of <laughs> presenting the Oscar, yeah. instead of presenting the Oscar uh, nominees, oh, I'm actually going to, to celebrate the IFMCA. Okay, I'm going to play cool. all the award winners for the IFMCA instead of the Oscars because I th- honestly think that, and yes, I'm biased because I'm part of that, and Jason okay. is as well. I think we do a really good job of picking best score. Yeah. And so that's what I'm going to oh, do. I'm um, done with the Oscars. Uh, 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 I was just going to say, Eric, could you explain what the IMFCA is? Mm. Yes. It's the International Film Music Critics Association. So it's a, it's a group of uh, film uh, music journalists, uh, radio show hosts, podcasters. Um, there's just under a hundred of us from all around the world who review, um, critique, write about, talk about film music. And, uh, you know, every year we get hand out, uh, awards for what we think is the best, um, of the best. And, uh, this past year, the personal history of David Copperfield by Christopher Willis won best score. And it is incredible. Um, so 
I, 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 it's filmmusiccritics.org. Yeah. Check it out. And I'd like you to take a look at the list of nominees. Yeah. And, and, and I think we do a pretty solid job. Yes, um, talk, talking of which, I'm featuring an IFCMA award winner from 2010 on, on the archive show I'm working on at the moment. So uh, a completely forgotten score, but should should be, you know, it's one it's, it's it probably deserved award at the time from a composer, which who, you know, should have done a lot more work afterwards. But that's, so it's, IFCMA did a, you know, if IFCMA was involved with the Oscars, we got a better we had better people winning Academy Awards, but unfortunately, it just if it's if it's the, the top film, no matter what the music is, always going to get the awards in, in, in the Oscars. And so, yeah, never mind. They get it right <laughs> sometimes, but not but not but not often. Yeah, yeah. Well, in any case, guys, um, we've been talking about the the music to uh, to Raiders of the Lost Ark, and uh, we're just going to get back to it in, in in just a minute. But I just wanted to remind everybody that this we are celebrating the fortieth. Yes, 40th anniversary of this iconic film that, uh, wow, is, like I said, I watched it just a couple of days ago. It has not lost anything in those 40 years. And you as, can, go ahead. You can go ahead. describe Raiders Lost Ark in one word, I think, timeless. Agreed. 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 All right, well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break here, and then we're going to come back with some more music from the film. So we'll be back right after this. For 25 years, Hope Spring Cancer Support Center has provided free services and resources throughout Waterloo, Wellington, Grey Bruce regions, helping thousands with cancer and those supporting their cancer journey. From home delivery of free wigs and post-mastectomy camisoles to relaxation therapies. At Hope Spring, people living with cancer are supported with emotional and mental resources through over 100 wellness programs in a warm, inviting atmosphere. Hope Spring does not receive any government funding, so every donation is needed. To help, see hopespring.ca. It's iconic, showcasing the best in cinema. And it's right here in Waterloo Region. Princess Cinemas, Kitchener Waterloo's award-winning independent art house cinema. The princess will get you lost in real cinema. From contemporary and cult films to new international, Canadian, and specialty releases. Princess Cinemas, with three screens in Uptown Waterloo, at 46 King Street North and 6 Princess Street West, Uptown Waterloo. There are lots of ways to give pandemic support. Buy merchandise, shirts, totes, bubble vouchers, gift passes, and even princess socks. It all helps, and it's all at princesscinema.com. Putting community first since 1973. We are 98.5 
And with a little bit more music from the 1981 film Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's music, of course, by John Williams. Well, I'm joined here this week by uh, uh, two uh, two uh, great friends of the show, uh, Jason Drury and Eric Woods. And uh, guys, we were discussing off air a lot of the, uh, uh, the the they don't make them like this anymore. And that we've been kind of lamenting this and we're, and, and I'm kind of thinking like, why is that? Why don't, why don't, why isn't it that, that, uh, a, a score like Raiders of the Lost Ark is so iconic and yet films from the last couple of years, I can't hum a note. Um, because very, very few directors these days have the confidence, have the music front and center in their films. They just want it as wallpaper. This is just a shame. And that's why when they do, you know, trust the musicians, the composers to write the scores, that's when they they stand out. And it's and it's, it's a shame because, um, as you say, the Raiders came at a time when John Williams was at his peak and film music was in, was in a, in a wonderful frame of mind. It was composed at James Horner, Elmer Bernstein, and, some, and John Barry was still at their peak. It was a great, great era great time for film music. Pablo Polidoros was coming onto the scene with Conan. It was great composers. You know, the classic composer, even now today's days, film collectors still collect their music and still love their music. Mm-hmm. Uh, these days, there's no disrespect to the composers who are about to sit in a moment. There's some very good guys out there who are doing yep. some great stuff. But I'm, I feel sometimes they are not allowed to show what they really can do due to the directors and also where film music is... Um, is is produces days for films. It's like it's not, it's it's been checked like note for note by the producers, and they're not allowed sometimes to really, you know, give given you know, for example, for Raiders, Spielberg and Lucas said, go go and do do what you can do, and we'll trust you. Right. There's no there's not many directors these days who or producers these days who trust a composer to do the work. And we're, I'm reading a book at the moment from uh, from uh, it's uh, just from. Stephen Eck called his struggle behind the soundtrack, which, which uh, highlights this problem with, with, with the film these days, with every note being has, has to be approved by the producers, the directors, for, before they even, you know, even be composed. And they're not, it's, they don't, it, it's a shame that the, the composers aren't, are, just, are composing music these days with their two hands, with one hand behind their back. Mm-hmm. And if, if they're allowed to express themselves more, we'll probably get more scores just like, like the Raiders. Right. Like 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 the Coil and the Barbarians, you know those great classic scores. That even nowadays, us collectors, us film music fans love. Exactly. Now, one of the things that, and we're going to be playing this this cue coming up. Um, Eric, I've mentioned this before. I talked about the the, the comparison between two cues, um, the the Desert Chase, and the, then there's the Speeder Chase from The Rise of Skywalker, and just how different. Same composer, same kind of, same kind of, could have been a night, could have been a really good um, uh, chase scene, and yet the one in Rise of the Sky, Rise of Skywalker, just falls flat, and I don't, and that I think maybe speaks more to the modern way of of making films. Yeah, I think you, uh, you you said it right there. It's. You, you you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark and you watch the Desert Chase and they're really 
are no cuts to the music. No. It plays it plays straight through. And that tells you that what was delivered to John Williams is what he wrote the music to. It's what they scored the music to. And they didn't change it afterwards. They weren't nitpicking. The cut was there. It was in the can. Yep. It was done. We're moving on. It works. Whereas nowadays, you know, digital editing, you can play around with a single frame of film and move it here and that way and and take this shot and move it there and this and that. And, and, and even at times, you don't have the time to deliver the exact timing or the exact t- cut to a composer nowadays. They are scoring to blank slates, um, ideas, um, maybe to a time code. Maybe they don't know what's going to happen. And then after scoring, the scene changes and you don't get what you, what the composer has composed. And it's all mangled. And I mean, one of the biggest examples of, of that type of um, mangling and screwing around with the, uh, with the score is, is what happened in the Phantom Menace mm-hmm. or even in the, in, in the prequels for Star Wars. Attack of the Clones is worse because it's, it's horrible. The, the, the tracking mess. of music, the, the it's it's an utter mess. And whereas with Raiders and the technology, I mean, you had to you had to have a cut at a certain point. The other thing is, and I'm getting a, a little off, but you know, composers didn't necessarily write to picture they did but they they, when they're writing they're not looking at a monitor and going all right at five seconds uh, oh 5.5 i have to oh maybe i should do that's done by the music editor and then it was handed to the composer where it says ah maybe at 150 a guy gets punched and then 10 seconds later um i don't know a gun goes off and oh maybe for the next 30 seconds it's just gonna be car chase and so in between that time, the composer has to compose. Mm-hmm. They are just writing music then to fill that space. And it comes off more naturally. They do have to hit a mathematical sync point. John Williams does it brilliantly in the airplane fight mm-hmm. uh, cue. Which will does be next. it brilliantly in this desert chase as well. Yep. But it's not so meticulously composed to the exact frame or every single frame. There was a place where a score could breathe right i find that scores or composers don't do that now they don't allow that and or they are just so out of time that they're just filling space just to get a a a, a score i'm not saying that modern composers suck or anything like that it's just there's the times have changed yeah and 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 technology's taken over and composers now have to create perfect mock-ups they have an army of of, compo- of orchestrators helping them out just to get a score done. They get less and less time to write the score. It's just a mess. It's an absolute mess. Right. And if you're going back to the 80s, there was just, like Jason said, you trusted the composer and you had to because all you were hearing was a piano melody and they're like, yeah, I like that theme. Okay. And then six weeks later, yeah. you're at the scoring stage and you finally hear, you know, yeah. that what came from that theme right. and you hope it's good. <laughs> and, so. and, and most of the days now, the music has to be approved by people and producers who probably haven't got a clue about film music. Mm-hmm. And, it's, it's got yeah. to, it's, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why we get these banal scores. No disrespect to composers. As, as I said, they, there's a lot of good composers out there. I just wish they could give them the chance to show exactly what they can do 
and, and given you know the free reign they had in the days of Raiders. Okay. Well, we've discussed both the airplane fight and the desert chase, so why don't we just get to it and enjoy before we run out of time, guys. Here we go.
And a little bit of music, more music from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Guys, I always set this up so that uh, I think I'm I'm never going to have enough music to get to the final to the final bits of the show. But I mean, we are always getting uh, getting to the to this, and I'm going. I'm running out of music. I'm running out of time. <laughs> um, I'm running out of time. So uh, I just want to quickly get to this. Uh, I just want to say this. If you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that because there's so much music that we got to get to, but I will say this. We'll be back in just a minute. A moment. We'll talk about what projects you guys have got coming up, and we'll, 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 we'll wrap up the show. Back in just a bit.
like I said, I always set up these shows with the notion that I'm not going to have enough music to fill the entire show. We end up talking a whole bunch. Anyways, anyways, guys, I really appreciate you guys being in on the show this week. Uh, first of all, uh, again, thanks very much. So uh, I just want to give you uh, give you guys an opportunity to, to let me know what you've got coming up. Uh, Jason first. Well, I've had a few technical problems recently with my laptop, but so now getting sorting things out now. Thanks to my good friend Eric helping me out with my new system. Uh, but uh, we are, I've got some interviews still coming up um, uh, with some good people, Austin Wintry and Bruce Broughton, and uh, I'm working on some on new archive shows. I think part one Eric's already got. I'm working on part two now, and also the quartet specials on its way as well, which uh, which I've done with Chris Malone. So. Uh, Oh, all technical issues have been sorted out now, so hopefully soon you'll be hearing a lot more from me on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Awesome. Eric? Yeah, uh, lots of stuff going on at Cinematic Sound. Um, we just introduced a new program, a new host. Yep. So the author of the the two books, Score to Death and Score to Death 2, um, they're about horror movie composers, Uh the author's name is Jay Blake Fischera, and so he's joined the network, and he's going to be presenting a horror music ah. show f- oh. for us. Uh, super knowledgeable guy, kind guy, great guy. I'm glad that he's on the team, so that's great. And uh, we're working on bringing someone else on ah. to do a, uh, a a really big special on uh, women composers. So. That's about the only hint I can give to you, but I'm going to tell you the person that's doing the work for me is really digging in deep, and it's going to be a fascinating show. But uh, for me, I have, um, you know, going to play trailer music uh, written by the composers for that film, so uh, custom music, and um, I've got a whole bunch of other stuff uh, uh, prepared uh, coming down the line, and it's uh, just a really, really, really big busy time and it's a good time and I, we're having a lot of fun at cinematic sound and then we're still waiting for uh that certain Wawa show from you ah uh, yes so, uh... well um <laughs> that's that's on hold for the moment but i do oh. but i do have another one in the pipeline right now that will be coming right. will be coming very shortly I'm still. I, that's the most anticipated show. I'm, I'm waiting for that one, Rob. I cannot <laughs> wait to, to hear what you have for us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that in mind, uh, thanks for thanks. Uh, that's all for us this week. Thanks for hanging in, those that did. So, before I end off uh, today's show, I hope as you're getting on with your day that uh, you realize just how awesome you are. Never let anyone tell you any differently. And if you're ever not feeling right, there are people out there that that care about you and are willing to chat. If not family, then some professional who can help. As Rocky said, nobody hits harder than life. I know from personal experience how hard it can be for me to sit behind this mic week after week when I feel like no one's listening. I would never have made it this far without uh, huge support of a team of people behind me. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, resources are available. In case of an emergency, please call 911 for immediate help. Canadian, the Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention, Depression Hurts, and Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868 all offer ways of getting help if you or someone you know may be suffering from mental health issues. Well, guys, I just want to thank you again and uh, join me next week 
as we start the month of the ring, a celebration of the 20th anniversary of the fellowship of the ring, the first Lord of the Rings film to come out. And I'll end off this week's show with some more music from Raiders in, uh, Guys, uh, again, I, I really appreciate the time that, that, that you've given me this week. And uh, I look forward to to having you guys on the show again. Thanks again. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate Pleasure. it, Robert. All right. Pleasure as always. We'll probably only enjoy it. All right. Well, here we go with some more Raiders of the Lost Ark music as we're ending off 80s month with the celebration of the 40th anniversary. I'll be back next week with more Visions in Sound.